This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. This morning we bring our lives to you, Lord. We ask you to shine your light in our lives. Perhaps even most importantly, in the parts of our life that have the greatest darkness. God, would you speak to us? Would you lift us up? I pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. amen, amen. God bless you. Take a seat. Are you ready for a message of hope and encouragement? You sure? Yeah. Are you ready for a message that will challenge and bring conviction? Okay, yeah. You know, my first pastorate, full-time pastorate, was in northeast Portland in a neighborhood that was about two-thirds black, and the congregation was about two-thirds black, and I was a, uh, a young pastor from rural Iowa who had rarely seen the, I, the concept of multicultural. And uh, that was a great time for me, but I can remember going into churches, and every culture has its own just fun parts of it. And one of the fun parts, if you've been in, um, in, in a church that's pretty much all black, the deacons sit up here behind the pastor... And their job seems to be to egg the pastor on. Obviously with holy language, right? Amen, brother. Tell us how it is. Preach it, brother, and so forth. And uh, every time the pastor will say something that they really relate to, why, boy, they get with it. But if he ever says something that they struggle with a little bit, they go, well. Yeah. I have an idea that this morning might be one of those well moments. Because God wants to shine some light into an area that particularly in our culture we struggle with. And uh, God wants to challenge and to, and to bring correction to what is in most of us a pretty deeply held paradigm and behavior. So I hope you're ready for that. Uh, I know that uh, it has the power to really change our lives. What's the title of this particular message? Mugged by the mirror. So we're going we're gonna to take a good look at that. Now, what I'd like to encourage you to do is open up your programs and take out this sheet of paper. And while you're taking that out, let me introduce myself to you. My name is Ron, and I'm going to be giving you teaching over the next 30 minutes or so. And, um, and it's going to be about being mugged by the mirror. If I haven't had a chance to meet you on the way in, I'm going to hang out in the lobby uh, after church, and I would love to get a chance to meet with you if you have questions about anything that I say or anything that, that takes place during the service. Uh, please don't hesitate to come by and talk with me. Um, I would love to, to have that visit and that encounter with you. So we're going to start right up front by playing a little game. Are you ready for this? It's called Name That Artist. And so Joe is going to play about eight bars of a song, and we're going to see if you can figure out who it is. Take it away, Joe. No one in the world ever had love sweeter. You got it figured out? Sure enough. Thanks, Joe. Now, if you know who that, who was that? That was Karen Carpenter of the Carpenters. If you knew that, you're either a music aficionado or you're over 50. (laughs) Okay? Or you grew up with parents who liked that music. All right, there you go. 
Let me tell you Karen Carpenter's story. She had what most people believe to be the best female voice in her generation. And yet she was dead at 32 years of age. What happened to her? She got mugged by the mirror. She looked in the mirror one day and she decided she didn't like what she saw. She didn't like who she was. And in that moment, as a 16-year-old girl, she actually had her identity stolen because from that point on, for the rest of her life, she was never happy being the person that God created her to be. She started dieting as a 16-year-old teenager. And it wasn't long until that dieting gave way to obsessive compulsive behavior. And a few years of obsessive compulsive behavior uh, turned into a few years of extreme dieting. Anorexia. It reduced that vibrant teenager with a golden voice to less than 80 pounds. And eventually, her heart couldn't take it anymore. That's the sad reality of the world in which we live. In fact, I'm going to give you some facts and figures in a moment. But I'm going to do something I'll bet you never thought a pastor would do. I'm going to take you to Victoria's Secret. Are you ready? Take a look. Wasn't what you thought it was going to be, was it? All right. This is Victoria's Secret. Here it is. Our value is directly proportional to our physical attractiveness. Would you read that? That's our world's mantra, is it not? Here it is. Let's read it together. Our value is directly proportionate to our physical attractiveness. And friends, that is catastrophic. Let me give you four facts that will back that up, that that's how our our culture marches. Last year, we as a country spent $20 billion on cosmetics. Now, you could kind of run those facts and figures any way you want. I got to thinking just about the hair aspect of cosmetics. Okay? Most of us have it, some more than others, all right? <laughs> Think about what we do with our hair. We, we buy hairspray to keep it in place. We pay people to cut it. Some of us pay people to hide its true color. Some of us pay people to put highlights in it. Some of us pay people to try to get it to grow where it doesn't currently grow. Some of us pay other people to move where it grows to where we'd like to have it grow, right? Some of us go and have them attach things that aren't really hair to make it look like we have hair. And if that weren't enough, some of us go get hair removed where we don't like it. Why do we do all that stuff? Yeah. Not that it's all bad, but $20 billion. And by the way, that doesn't include what people pay to have their hair cut, colored, permed, straightened, all that stuff. That's just the products. Let me give you a second figure. It's even more disturbing than that one. Last year in the United States alone, we spent $74 billion 
on diet food. Try to explain that to children in a third world country who are dying of starvation. We spent $74 billion on diet food. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with being in good health. I'm not down on good health. But let's get some perspective. Okay? Recent survey indicated 70% of American women experience feelings of depression and discouragement after spending only three minutes in a fashion magazine. Wow. You didn't even know they took those kinds of surveys, did you? I didn't either. Let me give you fact number four. In the last three decades, virtually every single winner of the Miss America pageant has had a body mass that fits in the category of malnutritious. Hmm. Now, when we look at this, those figures tell us a story that as a country, we've sort of been mugged by the mirror. And, and what's all that based around? What was Victoria's Secret? Our value is what? Directly proportional to our physical attractiveness. The truth is, Karen Carpenter spent all of her life trying to become someone she could never be. She did not know her true identity. Talented beyond belief. Famous. Here we are years later, and the vast majority of the people in her audience still recognize her voice. Wealthy, wealthy, but didn't know who she was. And friends, because she didn't know her God-given identity, it cost her her life. Now I want to take you to a passage of Scripture that I hope speaks directly to you and me. Take a look at John chapter 10. Okay, while we're finding that, I'll quote it to you, all right? The thief comes to steal, destroy, and kill. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. I want you to think about that for a minute. Jesus is very clearly saying to us that there are actually two options in this life. There are two paradigms that we can choose in this life. One of those paradigms ends up stealing something from us, destroying a part of our life, and may even kill us. The other one, on the other hand, is life-giving. Now, I'm going to say some things today. And by the way, I'm not really up on ugly, okay? It's not... People that are ugly are not necessarily more holy than people who are not, okay? So please don't hear me saying that. People that are in shape are not necessarily less godly than people who are out of shape. This is not about that, but it's about where we get our identity. You understand? Okay? And, and, and we've got to be truthful about our identity. So I want to walk us through a couple of foundational understandings, okay? 
the first foundational understanding is this. Okay? No, I'll be okay. All right? So our first foundational understanding has to do with our bodies. Our bodies are the most identifiable part of our identity. Does that sound a little redundant to you? Right. Think about this. If I were to say to you, President Obama, okay, I know that one of the things that's going to flash up, I'm not into Democrat or Republican because it might be a different image that will flash up, but when I talk to you about President Obama, you get a picture of at least his face in your mind. Because that's a part of his body and you identify him with that. In fact, we identify people by their walk. You, you can see people sometimes as a silhouette. You can't see much of them, but you watch them walk. And if you know them well, you can tell by how their body walks who that is, right? I happen to be a golfer. And one of the things that I can do is I can flip on the TV and I can watch a golfer swing and I'm not even looking at, at his face or anything. I can tell you pretty much who that golfer is just by his golf swing. I know, I shouldn't watch that much golf, right? (laughs) But the truth is, our bodies are inseparably tied to our identity. And friends, that's the way it is with you, and that's the way it is with me. And if we lose sight of that or get that truth pointed in the wrong direction, then instead of our bodies being associated with our identity, our bodies can become our identity. Big difference. Huge difference. It's the second foundational truth. Our bodies bear God's image. You know, the Bible says in the very first chapter that God created us in His image. Now, I've read the Bible from cover to cover many times, and I can tell you that God does not have a trunk. He has no fins. He has no scales. He doesn't have a tail. The Bible doesn't talk about any of that stuff, even though God created the animals, but he did not create them in his image. But the Bible does talk about the fact that God has hands, which are uniquely human, really. He has arms and legs. He has a head. has a mouth. He has speech. Why? Because we were created in the image of God. We bear God's image in our physical bodies as well as our spirits. Now, there's an implication in that as well. Take a look. And that is our identity is directly connected with God. So in some way, our identity is connected with our body and in some way our identity is connected with God. And how do we pull all of that together? Well, we're going to pull all of that together. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said that the thief comes to steal, to destroy, and to kill. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. So how can we experience fullness of life in our physical bodies and in connection with God. And so guess what? I'm going to take you back to Victoria's Secret. 
only we're going to spell it a little differently this time. Are you ready? There you go. We're going to talk about four victorious secrets, and they're very important for us to know, okay? And they are the antithesis of the, of the Victoria's secret that we talked about earlier. If you want to have the proper identity and, and, and you want to know how not to get mugged by the mirror, then you need to know why your body was made. And the Bible says these four things about why God made your body and mine. And here's number one. Our bodies were made to do what is right. I have three children, and I can tell you that all three of, of my children could finish this statement because they heard it many, 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 many times as I was training them as children. It's impossible to do wrong and feel right. Would you say that out loud with me? Ready? It's impossible to do wrong and feel right. And friend, if you don't understand that about how God made you, then, then you're going to have part of your identity stolen and you're going to live a destructive lifestyle and it may even cost you your life. There's this myth that goes around our culture that doing good is boring, doing bad is fun. You ever heard that before? Yeah, sometimes people will say to me, how are you doing? I'm saying, you know, I'm doing what's right. And I go, that's boring. No, it's life-giving because we were wired up with this internal thing that says when I take this human body and I go do something good with this human body that there's a message that gets sent to my spirit and my soul that says this is what you were born for. And friends, you can't get that from any sort of sinful behavior. Because when you do right, you feel right. And when you do wrong, you feel wrong. God put that in every single one of us. And I'm glad he did. Because if I could do wrong and feel right, I would never do right. Correct? Yeah. It's a little bit like pain. If your body was wired to where whenever you cut it, it felt good, why, you know, you wouldn't care. You'd go out and cut yourself all the time. Or if you were wired in such a way that you could break your arm and it would feel good, you know, we'd all be walking in here with casts because we're going to do what feels good. God made us to feel good on the inside. Now, you can temporarily feel good by doing bad. We've all experienced that, right? The Bible talks directly about that. It's called the pleasure of sin, and it lasts for only a season. And, and, and the pleasure of sin is always followed by the regret. Always. So the question that God would say to us, are, are you and I finding our identity but doing what's right? Friends, that's a great identity to have. It's a fabulous identity to have. Let's go to number two. Number two is this. Our bodies were made to express worship. Let me read you this passage of Scripture. This is Psalm chapter 150. Hallelujah. 
Praise God in his house of worship. Praise him under the open skies. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his magnificent greatness. Praise him. Are you, are you noticing a, a pattern here? Yeah. Praise him with a blast on the trumpet. Praise by the strumming of soft strings. Praise him with castanets and dance. Praise him with the banjo and the flute. Praise him with the cymbals and the big bass drum. I think we just did that a while ago, didn't we? Yeah. Praise him with fiddles and mandolin. Let every living, breathing creature praise God. Hallelujah. Now, if you, went, if, if you read that passage of Scripture and you said, does that describe the average, typical, normal church service, what would you say? We have a ways to go to get there, don't we? But we are getting there. You know, it's amazing at what God calls us to and sometimes in our mind, what we think he really wants. Did you know that your body was made physically to express worship to God? We have these little signals that we send. They're automatic. Have you ever noticed that in every culture, no matter who they are, no matter what color their skin is, no matter whether they're old or young, it makes no difference how far from the equator they, they live In every culture, when people get thrilled, they applaud. Have you noticed that? Yeah, because that's sort of hardwired in to every single human being. Have you noticed that in every culture, when people's hearts are overwhelmed, whether with sadness or with joy and disbelief, that they get tears in their eyes and they begin to cry? Have you ever noticed that in every culture, when people get really happy, and by the way, you can see this in little kids because they have no inhibitions, when people get really happy, they dance. Have you noticed that? Yeah, it just is. Our bodies were made to physically express the deepest emotions of our souls. So here's here's what I want you to understand. Here's the principle that comes out of it. When our spirits are moved, our bodies move. So you want a good identity? Here's a good identity. Here's a good thing to do with your body. Express worship to God. I was blessed this morning, standing in the back, singing, participating in worship. I was blessed to see some people clapping. I was blessed to see some people raising their hands. I was blessed to see some people even daring to move a little bit, right? Get a little happy. Wow. You know what happens in your spirit when you connect with God and you begin to express that sort of worship to him? Sure beats this. Yeah big difference. When we start getting our identity by taking this body, which is a gift from God, and doing with it four things that he, that he created it to do, it's amazing how it drives that pure, good, wholesome, life-giving identity deep into us. Now, let's move to number three. Number three is this. Our bodies were made to serve God and other people. Here's here's a passage out of the book of Isaiah. Take a look. 
Share your food with the hungry and bring poor, homeless people into your homes. When you see someone who has no clothes, give him yours. And don't refuse to help your own relatives. Now notice what happens when we do that. Then your light will shine like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. What a great picture of service. And the Bible is filled with those. Now, we've all heard the statement, service with a smile, which is usually what we'd like to get at a restaurant. I want to put a little twist on that and take a look at the principle. Service brings a smile and security. You know, service has a wonderful way of sort of peeling away all the things in life that make no difference. I've noticed this, that when I'm helping someone fix their car and I have my head underneath their hood and we've got grease up to our elbows and and we're, you know, busting our knuckles trying to figure out what's going on. I've never had a guy yet look at me and say, are those designer jeans? (laughs) Because you know when you're serving kind of no one cares what you look like. And ladies, when you're serving, no one's going to ask, did you get your makeup on right this morning? And I'm not necessarily against nice-looking jeans or makeup. I want you to understand that when we serve, and we serve with a full heart, have you ever noticed it brings a smile to your face? It feels good. It feels great. And it drives that identity down. It's one of the reasons that God made our bodies. We were made to serve, which is why when we serve, we feel good. And, it, and it's, it's part of our core identity. Now as we wrap this up, let's go to, let's go to Victoria's Secret number four, and then we'll get to a question, and, and, uh, and then we'll wrap it up. Our bodies were made to reflect God's beauty. Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, So all of us, and he's speaking to Christ followers, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Now, this is a word picture taken out of the Old Testament where Moses went up on the mountain and met with God. And when he came down from the mountain, the people looked on his face and it was like, I need transitions. You know, the light, the light, the, the lenses that get dark. I need my shades. Why? Because Moses' face had the residue of God's glory reflecting from it and, and they couldn't look at him. He was bright. And, and Paul says, do you realize that that happens in us? Not that our face will kind of glow, but it's possible for us to get next to God in such a way that what we do with our bodies actually reflects the beauty of God. Here's the principle. We have to see in order to reflect. The best way, I can, by the way, did Moses' light gener, did Moses' face generate that light? No. In order for him to have that light, he had to see God's glory. Most every night, you and I look into the sky. We see a moon. The moon doesn't generate its own light. Its light comes from the sun, which is why when the, when the Earth passes between the sun and the moon, the the, the moon disappears. We have what's called a total lunar eclipse. 
Here's what I want you and me to see. We were created to connect with God. We were created to be in God's presence. And when we get with God, then His glory begins to come into our life. His beauty begins to come into our life. And it begins to change us. And we begin to reflect the beauty of God. Friends, you can't, you can't manufacture that stuff on your own. You only get that from being with God. So then that leads us to a very interesting question. And the question is this. When I look in the mirror, what do I see? Do I see a person who is finding their true identity in reflecting God's beauty through righteous living, active worship, and selfless service? Or do I see a person who's looking for their identity through physical attraction? And the easiest way to answer that question is to ask yourself, which one do I invest the most time in? And for some of us, it would be, uh, you know, if you're a fitness person and you work out three or four times a week and you push yourself and you go on hikes and you go down to 24-hour fitness or club one or whatever else it is, there's nothing wrong with that. But I have a suggestion for you, okay? For every hour you put into jogging and running and doing all those things, go spend an hour in God's Word getting next to God and find your identity there. Ladies, for every hour you spend putting on your face, okay, spend an hour in God's Word, finding your identity there. I'm not asking you to throw away your makeup. We kind of like you with your face on, right? Okay? But what we would like is that you find your identity, your real identity in Jesus, in what he's called you to do and be. As we close, I want you to, Kevin told you I was going to talk to you about this. Take, take out this that says, start here. Put your name and your uh, email address at least on the front if you're new to New Life. This is how we connect with you. This is how we uh, partner with you. Uh, we will have integrity about this. We're not going to give your information to anybody else. And we certainly are not going to bug you. But we do have a great desire to walk through life with you. So if you'll at least give us whatever information you're comfortable with. Uh, then um, you'll get a note from me thanking you for coming uh, this week and giving God a chance to speak into your life. On the back side, there's a place that says apply today's teaching by, and I've given five options, and I, I want to help you with those five. Okay? The first one is I will change a wrong behavior in my life. Now, now listen to me. I know that some of us, God's already been talking to us about some wrong behavior before we ever got here this morning. And it's something in our life that we know we should change. And we know it's not good. We, we might say, oh, I know it's not the best, but someday I'll. No, no, no. Today is the day. Okay? Because your body was created to do what's right, not just to keep doing what you're doing. Secondly, I will increase my participation in worship. You know, there's a converse to that. I said to you that when, when our spirits are moved, our bodies move, did you know that if you limit the movement of your body, you limit your spirit's ability to be moved? Okay? Try this the next time you go 
Okay? You go to a Giants game, and you're all jacked up about the Giants, and everything is great, and somebody hits a home run, and everybody's standing up, and they're yelling and screaming. Just try sitting in your seat like this and see how moved your spirit gets. It won't get moved because you're limiting what you can do. So when God calls you to worship, if you don't usually sing, try singing. If you don't usually clap, try clapping. Even if you never have clapped in church before, okay? If, if, if you clap but you've never raised your hands, raise your hands to God, okay? Take a step forward in participation in worship. Then I will serve someone new this week. I want to give you two things about that. Make it someone new or make it an organization that you don't usually serve. And then preferably do something that gets you dirty in the process. Because if it gets you dirty in the process, it will help you understand that when it comes to serving, it's not how you look. And then I will set aside an hour to look at Jesus and then reflect his beauty in my life this week. This means reserving an hour reading a passage from the Bible that's about Jesus, absorbing from that something that you can do in your life and making that a core value of your life this week, that you reflect the beauty of Christ. And then last of all, I'm choosing today to become a Christian. You can't make a better choice than that because that's where your core identity really gets brought to the surface because what I'm really telling you, you put it all together You were created to be a follower of Christ and a child of God. And it begins with that decision. While I pray, you check the appropriate circles that apply in your life. And not just the ones that you know you should do, but the ones that you're committing yourself to do and that you will do this week. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for speaking into our lives. Thank you so much for teaching us that our core identity as much as we enjoy looking nice and as much as we enjoy and feel good being in shape, and there's value in both of those. But Lord, thank you for teaching us that our real identity has to be found in something far deeper and far more lasting than just looking young and beautiful. Call us to that, Lord. Speak to us about things we can change in our lives right now. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.